So taking that leap and then inevitably what is going to accompany that leap, which is like usually what gets people to regress back to comfort because the leap is uncomfortable. But I encourage everyone, like discomfort is so short-lived. What do you mean it's over? Hello? How can I help? All right, guys, welcome back to Parties Over Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Liz. And today we have a pretty great, great guest on. This is our first time recording in person for like months. Yeah, and I think Probably um, months. we caught it at a good time because. Uh, COVID is back at it again, folks. <laughs> so you probably won't have an in-person interview again for a while. So yeah. here's what you have. But um, so Liz and I, we, you guys may have noticed on our Instagram story, we recently posted that we were looking for some guests with um, mental health, sober living, stuff like that was the, what the post was. Um, and we had someone reach out that was uh, had some experience with mental health. And Liz and I have just kind of taken an interest in it. As the older we get in the topic, I think this is something that everyone in their 20s starts to kind of look at and ask questions about what is it and how do I learn more about it? Maybe you have a friend that is going through something that seems to be um, just you've noticed a change and you want to be able to support them. Maybe it's yourself, things like that. Uh, it's something that I think we both have started to kind of... Definitely. And we'll be learning along in this episode with you guys. So this is a big learning experience for us as well. So yeah, we have Peyton here on the podcast and we're really just trying to have an open, thoughtful dialogue about mental health today on the episode. Peyton has a lot of experience with the topic and uh, welcome to the podcast, Peyton. Hi guys, I'm Peyton. <laughs> we are so excited to have her. Also, she is such a sweet, warm presence, honestly. You walked oh, in. You also and... have a really good podcast voice. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, like, as soon so as nice. you started talking, when you, I w- wanted to wait until we we're on here to say this, so I could get your real reaction. <laughs> but when you started talking, I was like, oh my god, I forgot her voice sounded like that. It's so sweet. She's going to sound so good. Yes. <laughs> guys, I wish you could see me. I'm like fanning my face. I'm so blushed and touched. Uh, but yeah, so Pagan, tell us a little bit about your experience with mental health. Yeah, so uh, I graduated in 2019 with my bachelor's degree in social and behavioral sciences. Um, and before that, during that, and currently, I've worked with adults and children with developmental disabilities and mental health disorders. So it's kind of been like my bread and butter for my adult life. And I also have a lot of personal interest and spend a lot of my free time, even outside of school and work, kind of pursuing you know, self-development and understanding the ins and outs of mental health and suicide awareness and everything that kind of umbrellas in that topic yeah I would love to hear if anything brought on that interest or when you started to get interested in this topic yeah so we're gonna take a trip down memory lane here (laughs) yeah so when I was 17 I emancipated myself and was kind of you know financially and responsible for myself in all facets which kind of you know brought on the interest of okay, I'm I'm an adult now, like I need to be able to take care of myself. I need to heal myself from the situation that I was leaving. Continuing to heal myself from that situation, I just keep kind of digging deeper and trying to understand myself. And in doing that, I feel like I can start to understand other people. 
And I feel like I was kind of living in a vacuum a little bit. And I didn't realize that like not everybody was doing this until I started having conversations with like my friends and they were, you know, fascinated and really um, intrigued by my interest in like self-discovery and self-help. And that uh, just, it kind of made me realize like, oh, okay, like this is unusual for me to be really motivated and interested in such a topic and such depths. So I continued on that path and continuously continue on that path in my adult life. Yeah, so once I started to like dig deeper and deeper into that, I recognized, you know, it was an opportunity to um, to pursue kind of professionally and also academically, which is kind of what led me to my job as a direct support professional at Hope Association in Rumford, Maine. <laughs> yes, Peyton went to the same high school as me, if you guys were wondering, so... Shout out. We Mountain have a lot of Mountain, Mountain Valley. Valley. We have a lot of uh, Mountain Valley people here on the podcast. We actually have you will be the oh, third. Yeah, Noah. At least. And Abby, Abby was on here. Mm-hmm. Shout out Rumford. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, okay, so you began pursuing it academically um, and then professionally as well. That's really interesting. So you not only was this your like at home passion project, it's now your education and it's also your career. So that is some dedication. What I'm thinking is this whole time you're 17, 18, 19 years old and you're doing all this self-discovery and I'm seeing other people I know and I guess myself coming out of college and then doing that and finding out that that's really important in your life and you might be older, but you were kind of getting a head start. Could you discuss kind of the importance of focusing on this as early as possible and how it affects people maybe post-grad too? Yeah, so I didn't realize it at the time, but it was um, brought to my attention in one of my courses in social behavioral sciences that it just takes one person to foster resiliency in a child who is overcoming adversity. So um, I was very fortunate to have a an icon in my life who was a complete light and consistent relational support and trust that I was able to like foster that resiliency and really be able to kind of overcome my circumstances rather than succumbing to it. Um, which I mean, I'm to this day just so grateful for that connection and still foster that connection. Oh my gosh. Okay. So can you repeat that? The, the statistic? Yeah. So it literally takes one person with consistent relational trust and support for a child going through adversity to foster resiliency. You know, resiliency umbrellas so much and as does adversity. So it looks different kind of for every person. Um, but nonetheless, being able to recognize that I was in power of my situation versus my situation completely dictated my outcome. Right. I feel like this is a, I know we have a lot of teachers listening and I feel like if there was ever a little tidbit to help you get through maybe a hard day at work, just like take this home with you that you could be that kid's one person, one person. Mm-hmm. like you don't know, or just being like, even not even just for children, but being that for, like Liz just said, adults. I think it's really, I'm sure we'll get into this obviously in the, the episode, but obviously don't take all of like the weight of the world on your shoulders you don't need to be this person for everyone and it's like important to take care of your own mental health but um just being helping others be like a light in their life whether it's a child or adult I feel like that's yeah um, that's the best way to say it and I actually that's a term that I use a lot like if you can just be like a light or a beacon for somebody why not 
I feel like that is a great takeaway. Why not? Yeah. We're at a good five minutes in, guys. So we're <laughs> off to a good start. That will be right at the beginning of the episode as <laughs> yes. the preview. I'm like, you are... Um... Okay, so anyways. Yeah, so the, the class was called... Um, childhood psychiatric disorders in childhood and adolescence um and when I read that in my book I remember just putting my book down and being like oh my gosh like this that's why like that is why I was able to to be where I'm at now and it ooh, I feel like even feel a little like frog coming in my throat now thinking about it but yeah it was really um validating to read that I feel like that is definitely um for anyone who like finding purpose and stuff, especially you were in this self-discovery stage, that would be one of those things that you're like, all right, I'm on the right track. So, okay, well, speaking of being on the right track, so you did this professionally and you did this for adults as well, correct? Yeah, so I did it for adults and then later for children. Okay, so what did it look, what did your position look like in both of these? Yeah, um, positions. I mean, pretty synonymous across the board because a lot of the adults that I was dealing with never like um, intellectually matured past a childhood age anyway. Um, With working with children, however, became a little more difficult because oftentimes they were diagnosed with autism and they were nonverbal. So I had to go through um, a lot of extra steps to be able to just be able to communicate with them, which, you know, innately is what we're all searching for. We all want to be able to articulate what's going on in our mind so that we can be seen and understood by other people so that we can almost feed that social engagement system within our mind and feel safe that's why I studied speech language pathology for a little bit it was like the undercurrent of what I wanted to do is like gift somebody the gift of speech because that's what we're all looking for we're looking to be able to be understood and seen yeah so first you went for speech and then when did you make the switch yeah so um I studied speech-language pathology at the University of Maine at Orono for two years, Um, and then over the summer before the fall semester of my junior year, I got promoted at the uh, agency that I was working for, and um, I really thought that I was going to be able to handle this managerial role on top of my studies, Um, but I was having a really hard time maintaining that balance, mostly because I would be in class and... I would be getting calls from all of my employees that really needed help de-escalating clients. And that was like a pivotal moment for me in recognizing that I could not maintain this balance of working and going to school. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, because I I like, you know, how everything turned out. But um, at the time, I just recognized that I... I couldn't not work. I had to be able to afford my bills. So I dropped out of school. Um, and that, that whole academic year that I missed out on, I actually, you know, I had more mental realty to focus on work. And I actually got another promotion to oversee the entire program. And it was midsummer when I realized that I had kind of hit the top of the ladder at that company. It was a like family owned company and that branch of the company was owned by like the head honcho's son. So I knew that I wasn't gonna be able to take over that position. So I really recognized that I had peaked. And I was like, I'm 21 years old. I, I'm not gonna like stop my potential here. Like I need to figure out a way 
to get back to school so that I can... We've been talking about this so much, so I'm glad that you're saying that. We just said that in the past couple episodes, so I'm like, okay, reassuring. <laughs> she feels the <laughs> same. <laughs> um, yeah, so then I actually relocated down here to Portland. I was looking into programs. USM didn't offer speech-language pathology, but I kind of recognized that speech-language pathology wasn't for me at that point because I saw that the uh, the reach of my help was only limited to those who had speech issues or swallowing issues or auditory issues. And I wanted my, my reach to be a lot farther. I wanted to help more people, um, which is what drew me into like this multidisciplinary program of social and behavioral sciences. Um, and I truly, that program changed my life. It, I mean, it just like, resonated with my soul I was like yes this is the program I'm supposed to be in isn't that the best feeling truly wow I wish that for everyone I'm still (laughs) (laughs) still work in progress but (laughs) you're kind of at this point where you've found what you want to study and you're in at this point what are you doing professionally I had a girlfriend who was nannying and she was making you know, really good money and her hours were really flexible and it wasn't as like arduous as a job. So I started looking for a nanny family and I was very blessed and I I don't chalk it up to just uh, coincidence. It was very serendipitous that I found the family that I did and I've been working with them for four years now and they really they really become my family in every way possible. And it's, it's been such a blessing. And you get to still help out those kids too. So you're still helping. It's good to hear that you're just really passionate about it. And you're definitely doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is nice. Yeah, definitely. So uh, just to kind of get into the mental health aspect, something you had touched on a lot that I've noticed is the financial weight that was probably put on your shoulders at a young age. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to, whether it's, I mean, not maybe you were put on it at 17, but maybe it's still at 22, 27, whatever it is. Um, And can we touch a little bit on just financial burdens um, and mental health? Totally. I think that that is probably one of the biggest contributors to a mental health downward spiral. If you are not feeling financially fit, it's very easy to to get in that scarcity mindset and you know that is just perpetuated and fueled by fear because money is a means to living. Mm-hmm. And I think especially now as an adult, we see money being so attached to almost like our identity and a means of like figuring out where you're at on the spectrum of like adulthood like oh well I'm living paycheck to paycheck versus like oh okay I can afford to put a little bit aside every month or oh okay I can afford a more luxurious lifestyle than I was used to like I'm not living off of ramen and craft macaroni and cheese kind of lines up with what we were talking a little bit before we got on the episode but just lines up with like where you are in your life like the pressures of in your 20s in general so then adding finances into that is a whole other element I would say yeah so like your 20s these are some of the things we talked about that you're expected to figure all of these out again this is like kind of in quotes this is just like the social 
norm that right we don't people, expect it from you people but. put on yeah like people put on maybe themselves or society puts on them so uh college you're supposed to you know get that done you're supposed to figure out your career um finances a home a relationship because you know you got to figure out your life partner your um yeah like so getting married you got to decide if you want to have kids also you have to have fun and party and have a social life and hang out with your family and this is like 10 years they give you for that <laughs> um, but it's so, the best time of your life right right and then everyone's going to tell you this is the best time of your life you better enjoy it and you're like i'm not having that much fun <laughs> so um i think that's really why liz and i've been so sparked by the mental health conversation is because you get out of your bubble of college and then it's like the bomb drops and all of those things that you've been pushing aside for four years all drop at once and it can become a lot for someone so we've kind of you know outlined some questions here for um Peyton to go over uh so can we just talk a little bit about why it's so important and to just kind of let yourself explore these thoughts how normal it is and how to have these like I don't know, just check into yourself type of thing. Yeah. In your early 20s. Uh, well, I think the first thing I want to say is feelings are your body and mind's way of communicating to you. And I think that stifling or repressing or, or anything other than just feeling them is detrimental to your long-term health outcomes. Um, so for me personally... I just, I have an unrelenting curiosity. So I will, I'll experience a feeling and I'll be like, wait, whoa, hold on a second. Like why, why am I feeling this way? And actually it just, I mean, again, I'm a lifelong learner of this and you know, it's in my daily practice of just curiosity. Um, I had somebody like solicit some unwanted, not unwanted, I get what you're saying. Advice. They give you advice that you didn't ask for. Yes. It happens all Does that time. happen to you? Yes. <laughs> and I was like, I got defensive. And at first, I just, you know, I succumbed to the defensiveness and was just like, oh, well, yeah, of course, I've done that or X, Y, Z. Um, and then after, you know, the phone call was done, I kind of sat with myself and I was like, wait, why, why did I feel that way when that was brought up to my attention? And you know, sitting on that feeling and trying to process, I realized it was mostly like embarrassment that I hadn't already implemented the suggestion that they had given me, um, as well as just like guilt because I hadn't, you know, implemented that advice. So, um, I mean, that is just one of the many examples of just, you know, having curiosity with my feelings versus just like, well, I'm defensive because they said something offensive. It's That is a great piece of advice right there. I'm already thinking, like, why did I do that earlier? And now I'm, like, going to start writing a list of, like, is that why I did that? So I really if like If everybody yeah. did that, probably there would be great communication in this world. Totally. Right? And that's, so, the, like, that's all it takes. Like, yourself accountable and not... I feel like it would hold, you know what I mean, both people accountable in the sense of, like, all right, I you know... You take personal responsibility. Right, exactly. Like, I know why I, especially, like, in a relationship, with, not even just, like, romantically, but in any relationships, like you said, communication-wise, hmm. you know, just reflecting on it. That one seemed like it might have been pretty neutral, like it wasn't, like, a blow-up or anything oh, like no, that? Oh, okay. no, no, no. Not so at let's all. say you're, like, in a fight with someone, and you sit back and you realize, like, hmm, maybe, like, my reaction wasn't warranted. By what they said how do you kind of 
handle that situation going forward. Does that make sense? Like, do you yeah, apologize? Yeah. Explain those feelings. How does that work? So I am a big advocate for clear and transparent communication. Mm-hmm. And even if it doesn't take place in the moment, because I mean, we're all human, we're going to have reactions that aren't like reflective of how we truly feel inside. Um, it's more of just, you know, a reaction. The most important thing is to be able to reflect on it have some accountability for, you know, what you said, but not really responsibility for what the other person said, because that's their responsibility. And you really, I feel like it's really important to draw that line because I, I've seen it a lot where some people deflect their own personal responsibility for what they said or what they did because it was, um, antagonized by the other person, but truly you are 110% in control of what you say and do like you really can't pawn off that responsibility on anybody else so even if I mean even if we can make it so exaggerated so that you can see the the clarity of the situation Ashley if you said punch me in the face (laughs) it's still my choice to punch you in the face even if you are clearly instigating the situation I'm in control that's my choice and that's the same thing with everything I mean it's not just Super no, that that makes that makes perfect sense. That's something where you you hope that the other person grows, but if they don't, there's nothing you can you can really do about that. You can kind of express what you did wrong in the situation going forward. And I like that what you said. It's because you know I feel like I may be a reactive person at times, but um, I do think that on occasion I do take a minute to like think about what I did in the situation and maybe go back and reflect as opposed to just being like well whatever I did it I said it it is what it is there's never too late do you set like do you only think about the things when something happened or do you set aside time to be like what's going on with me like checking in with yourself like do you do a weekly thing like just checking in how you doing or (laughs) do you have any recommendations for people and what they should do um so again this is 110% my passion and I think that self-check-ins look different for everybody all I can speak is kind of like my truth and hopefully it resonates with somebody or you know you can take a little bit of it or all of it whatever you know really speaks to you and you think would really work for your life um but me I am so vested in this so I wake up in the morning and I do a self a future self journal and it's really quick and easy I just talk about like what I'm grateful for what I really want to focus on that day Um, and what I, like why I'm doing this and what I'm working towards. Um, and, and I also like, it depends on the morning. Like there's some mornings where that's all I can write. Like it's a quick three sentences and then I have to get on with my day. Other mornings it's like a leisurely morning and I can really like dig deep into like why this is important to me. And, um, even like elaborate on like an experience that made me realize how important this is to me in my life or how that um, area is an opportunity for growth for me. And then I also journal right before I go to bed every night. I like to do a reflection. I call this like a stream of conscience where it's just literally whatever is, it's like a brain dump just right into my journal. And that's, I think the best thing about my journaling is it's very unstructured. Like I'm not answering prompts. I'm not talking about things I don't want to talk to. I'm just like processing. I'm allowing myself to feel whatever I'm feeling, think whatever I'm thinking without judgment and just like getting it on paper. And I think that in itself is pretty cathartic, but also to be able to like, you know, reflect back and be like, oh, 
or oftentimes I'll even like write something down and I'll be like, it'll click. I'll be like, ah, this makes so much sense. And kind of outside of those practices to keep myself in check, I also just know that like moving my body every day is super important. Making sure that I'm hydrated is super important and eating like a very well-balanced whole foods meal mm-hmm. at three times a day and a couple of snacks in between <laughs> is super important because I mean literally on a molecular level we are what we eat so if you're fueling your body with refined carbohydrates refined sugar I mean any of these things alcohol <laughs> yeah alcohol. We, we are having wine if uh, <laughs> if today was what I was I would be a piece of pizza a bagel and wine <laughs> but that being said like I don't want to I'm not like a guru of any sorts like I just had a girls weekend this past weekend and we definitely had like little lads herbal corn which is my favorite snack I could like easily house I don't think I've had it I'm like (gasps) backing up here what is this oh my gosh seriously okay so it's like a local main company and it's just air popped popcorn um with I believe avocado oil, which is like the better of the oils. It's not inflammatory. Um, and then it has like this magical mix of herbs. And it's... Where can I buy them? Hannaford. Really? Hannaford. I'm like, I'm in. It's I've in like this really tall, like clear bag. And it yep. just says herbal corn. I got it now. Okay. It's in here. I'm in. I could, whew, I could like house a bag of that in a night. I'm just like, and popcorn's like, this not is not an bad. ad, but we would probably post it on our story. <laughs> So there's a lot that I wanted to unpack there. So I don't exactly know where to start. However, I also wanted to. Yeah. Well, what did you want to start with? I <laughs> I wanted to one say that um, brain dump piece is great advice. I feel like especially before bed, if you're someone that gets like anxiety when you're sleeping or you you know your to do list is going through your head at night, it's a great way. I feel like to kind of like be like, okay, I put it on paper. Whatever I was thinking. That means it doesn't need to live in here. Right. It's tomorrow's problem. It's Mm -hmm. not. I don't Mm -hmm. need to deal with it right now. So that's a great uh, sleeping tip. Um, Second of all, I feel like anyone who doesn't know about like brain dumps and stuff like that, I used to write like at work. I would do one maybe before I started my day. And I'm like, if someone finds my (laughs) piece of paper that says brain dump on it, not to mention the stuff that's written in it, like they're going to like pull me into HR and be like, what is a brain dump? (laughs) let me know well i know that you also on your stories you're like constantly checking in with others and i think that's really amazing you do like different color hearts right for how people are feeling have you learned anything from doing that or i know there's going to be people who are just like used to seeing it and get excited to kind of share with you so i just wanted to know if that's like just nice to have in your life as well yeah no i think it is definitely like a symbiotic relationship with that like I think it you know gives an opportunity for people to kind of just unload whatever and like be authentic because I don't know I feel like I just like emulate this non-judgmental like vibe and it's authentic (laughs) but I it also helps me so people are like being transparent with me but it also like seeing all of the responses it's kind of weird I and I maybe someday will kind of do a data analysis on this, but like to see the trends, like I'll, I'll have a lot of people in the same boat, like replying the same color heart. And I'm like, uh, okay, I could feel it. I could feel it in the wind. <laughs> but then I also derive some sort of like validation and what I'm feeling at that time too. Um, and also this kind of circles back to the uh, resilient fostering resiliency it just takes one person and I feel like that's more or less what I use my social media platform for 
because, you know, we're all posting, looking for some, you know, validation in one way or another, or we're at least like trying to like present a a facet of our identity. And I mean, I, I know that I'm not crazy. We're looking for that through validation of likes, like the number of likes that you get, the amount of comments that you get. Like it's gotten so much more in depth too with before it was just like a certain amount of likes. Now it's like reactions and stories. It's like shares, con- and it's just like they add a new piece every mm-hmm. time. And everybody have- has to be an influencer. Yep. Right. It's like or your your job is not cool. That was something that I think we both really struggled with. Is like, and I don't mean this to take away from like influencers or like you know inter- internet in quotes like jobs and stuff, but. It's the real world versus like that world of people and what their jobs presented online are like, we say all the time, our parents growing up, they didn't have to think becoming a celebrity was attainable. Like they knew like celebrities are like, again, in like quotes, like pretend people that you just like look at, you don't, you'll never be them Mm -hmm. again, all in quotes and stuff. So it was fine. They never had to be like, my life stinks. I'm not a celebrity. But us every day, it's like, I could blow up tomorrow on Instagram. who make like millions of dollars on YouTube. It's like, I could do this one thing that changes my life forever. And you have to think that every second of the day and be like, is this the day that I like become famous? And, (laughs) or, you know, am I not cool because I work a regular job and Mm -hmm. I, I don't have this. And I think that's something that is starting to become a big problem in our culture for, for young adults. I couldn't agree more I think just like the omnipresence of technology in our lives have had has added like this whole new realm of consideration that we have to have Mm -hmm. and I do want to like take this opportunity to say that social media nine times out of ten is a highlight reel Mm -hmm. like most people aren't a thousand percent transparent they're just posting like the cool stuff or like the really um you know I think of this in photography, like I am super shutter happy. So I'll take like of this plant, I'll take 500 shots of this plant, but I'm only going to pick one to post. And I feel like that's really synonymous with life. Like you're having a 24 hour day, but you're posting like a photo that maybe took you 20 minutes to take and then another 20 minutes to edit and then another 20 minutes of courage to actually post Mm -hmm. it and it's it's such a um a a quick snippet and I don't feel like it truly articulates the entirety of someone's life well even with that it's just the person that you think is so happy online and they have the perfect life and they don't they most likely don't feel that at all like I don't know. I, I remember someone commented on my picture once, like, you're so photogenic. And I'm like, wow, that's wild. I don't think that mm-hmm. at all. All like, the I, things that you think the opposite about yourself. Or yes. maybe you'll see an influencer or someone who's uses the internet a lot, like, out. And then you just notice they're on their phone the whole time, like, not mm. enjoying the moment. And then yes. you're like, oh, that's what their life is actually like. They have to get a good photo, so they're at the bar taking right. 200 photos, and they were never at the bar. Right, yes. Another one example, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, like, let's say, like... Um, someone who travels for work. You're like, wow, they travel for work. That is so glamorous. And then you're like, okay, think about the fact that they didn't spend Thanksgiving with their family or their flight got delayed and they slept in the airport. They haven't showered yeah. in, you know, two days or whatever it is. It always looks better online. So I just did a cross-country trip and that was... I did want to ask you about that, so I'm glad it came <laughs> up. <laughs> um, 
and like I was posting, you know, super awesome photos of all the national parks that I was visiting. And it was towards the end of my trip that I was like, one, I'm sleeping in my car. Like, I want to make that clear. Like, this I is- thought it was awesome. I was like, she's so badass. Good for her. Aw, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it felt pretty badass. It was it was so cool. I really think everybody should. Did you do have it. like a, a spiritual awakening, or like what did you gain from the trip? Like, I feel like that's something that I'm like dying to know. I feel like people just want to do that so bad, and also though I feel like it puts a pressure on you to have some sort of like spiritual awakening. <laughs> yeah, and you're like I came you're home. Like, yeah, it was and, fun. Yes. <laughs> I just want to finish my thought. Um, Towards the end of my trip, I realized, I was like, it looks like I had such a glamorous, like, four weeks on the right. road. So, like, I posted a picture of me, which happened many a times, like, taking a a sink shower, essentially, at a rest stop, like, somewhere in Utah. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was my reality. Like, there was a lot of times my campground didn't have a shower, and I just was like, well, this is what it is. There was one time <laughs> I, like, it. yeah, no, you do. And, um... So I, I don't know if I necessarily had a spiritual awakening as much as I had a revelation of feeling way more comfortable. So like, do you guys know what codependency is? Yes. I am a, like a recovering codependent. And I mean, it's just a, a well-conditioned trauma response that I've had from my upbringing and then in my adulthood. I always kind of put whatever I wanted on the back burner or like second to and I would do so much as like chopping my arm off if it meant that's what you wanted and um this trip really allowed me to kind of tune into myself you went by yourself right yeah I was wow (laughs) you're you're saying you were codependent previously yes okay she did this trip by herself right yeah so this this trip allowed me I didn't have to take into consideration like my my co-pilot wants to go to this park Mm -hmm. like I was the captain of my own ship and really was like all right I want to stay in Moab for another day or two I could do that and I didn't have to consult with anybody so it really helped me align with like my intuition and uh kind of just myself because that's usually just so buried because I am so codependent (laughs) um I totally get that I'm in a 10-year relationship so it's something that we it's just so funny when we have guests on it always comes up it always been recently lines talking up about so well and it's not like it's just like last episode we talked about codependency but you know two three episodes we didn't so like and the, we also talked about traveling yes <laughs> and having the just, photo that looks good but really we're in the back like something <laughs> this is like recap so, on yes, one and we're so staying in a shoebox it's not like this came up you know two weeks ago it came up last week and the same thing happened like two weeks ago anyways so we were just talking about that i not the same at all i flew for the first time alone and i've never really had to because i'm always with you know my boyfriend if i'm traveling it's usually with him it's something that is just really cool that you did that yeah no i, I truly think that everybody should i mean even if it's just for like a weekend mm-hmm. go spend like a weekend by yourself in a cabin and just like get to know yourself I think it's so valuable and you think now if you were to do that trip with someone else you would have more confidence being like this is actually what I want to do yeah no I definitely came home and had way more confidence like I said kind of earlier about like I didn't have boundaries when it came to like my clients Mm -hmm. I didn't have boundaries when it came to my family or my friends and I came home and I was like no (laughs) I'm not doing these things that no longer are filling me like time is so precious I love that for you yeah that's yeah. great. I want to circle back to like, how did you learn about the self-help space? And I feel like that's something that is 
coming up right now. You know, people, I think it's just maybe our ages and stuff, but mm. it's very, I don't know, something people are really diving into. For me, I've always been a reader. Like, I love reading. I could get lost in books. I don't know if this book was gifted to me or if it was recommended to me, but Brené Brown's The Gift of Imperfection, it's her first uh, published Oh yeah. So, um, it actually, it just, this year was her 10 year anniversary of publishing it. And that is the closest thing I've ever had to a Bible. (laughs) Like I, whenever I'm going through a hard time, I pick that book up and I reread it and it's like my Holy grail. I wanted to ask, let's say you can feel yourself. Like I know I have like a routine that's like, this is my routine when I'm on my A game. And that's like, I wake up, I go to the gym, I do yoga, I eat a good breakfast, like whatever that looks like. At, you know, I journal, things like that, yep. read a book. And then I, as I think most people probably do, slip out of it. And maybe I, you know, start to get into like a funk kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's normally when it starts to get dark out early. <laughs> that's what's <laughs> happening right now. Yes. Um, But like, how do you check in with yourself and kind of reset that, you know, I'm slipping into not my best self or do you just let yourself sit in it? Super good question. So I think one of the biggest things that I've learned because I definitely ebb and flow through my regularity and my practices and that in itself can sometimes be what makes me spiral more. I'm like, oh. You didn't do yoga tonight. You didn't do your morning journal this morning. You ate like shit. Like, and then it's just that, that constant broken record of negative self-talk. And what I have truly learned and implemented is not getting, not getting hard on myself and just recognizing that I'm human and that it's going to happen because there's no such thing as like a perfect day every day. Like you just, it's, it's unsustainable. Um, and that's why I try to make my practices as, um, fluid with my life as, as much as I can. And they also, it changes with each chapter of my life because obviously my schedule isn't going to stay the same. I'm not going to be feeling the same. That in itself is interrupting that negative self-talk and recognizing that like, okay, I can't, this, it's okay if I don't do my morning journal. It's okay if I only get one minute of meditation in today. Like, it's okay. <laughs> so recognizing that I'm human definitely helps. Um, and then, then because just like most Mainers, definitely susceptible to seasonal affect disorder. And I'm really almost like a Western medicine renegade. So I truly believe in like the body has... The ability to heal itself and you just need to give it all the right tools in order to do that so I I almost like have to be proactive in preventative medicine otherwise it's like how I I can't heal myself otherwise so um that puts a lot of like personal responsibility on me but I think it also motivates me to catch when I'm in a spiral and to you know, how to get myself on the right track and go getting yourself back on the right track doesn't have to be like, okay, I fell out of my, all of my self-care practices. Now I need to go at it a hundred percent. You can literally just start implementing like, okay, I ate like shit yesterday. I'm going to choose to eat one healthy snack today. I love that. Like I'm going to choose to drink one glass of water today. There was a time in my life that I was really into meditation and I was spending, <laughs> an inordinate amount of time meditating (laughs) 
um, which is great. Like I loved that chapter of my life truly, but it wasn't sustainable. Like I, I couldn't right. carve out an hour every single day. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say I couldn't because I could, I could wake up an hour earlier. Right. But it, it just, it doesn't suit my lifestyle anymore. And uh, I listened to this book on... Sorry, that's just so funny. Like, my guilty pleasure is, like, we really want to meditate for, like, too long. <laughs> I lost it. I don't know. I, I know. Um, I'm doing my... Okay, you ch- you know, let's say you had... You could have done an hour, but your season of life changes, and you have to... Is that what No. A d- change your schedule. I'm also thinking, like, when you said oh, you don't I, need to do everything at once. I'm picturing, like, dieting when people cut all of the food out at once, and then they're yeah. struggling. It's like... Why don't you just cut one thing out, you know, ease yourself in. So kind of the same thing reverse. Like, why don't you just have one goal and maybe it's food related and then one goal the next week and maybe it's workout related or. Yeah. I think that's kind of where. I think that progress over perfection is like one of my biggest mantras. I started a book club a few months ago, like when BLM protests were really like rampant. So I started this, um, this book club with uh, Robin D'Angelo's book, White Fragility. And I was having a really hard time getting all of my book book clubbers to like participate. And um, I mean, I was having my own personal frustrations with that. Like, okay, well, what am I doing wrong? Like, what more could I be doing to like facilitate this engagement, like match the vision that I had for this book club. And then I realized that like, I to go back to my basics, progress over perfection. So I put out there, I was like, I know everybody's busy. Like, I know that there's a lot of uncertainty going on. And I was just like, have yourself read one page a day. I know that feels so silly. Like, who, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, nobody really reads one page. But like, if that's all you can do, read a page. Because eventually, it's going to get to page 50 or page 100. You just got to do one page. And when you break, you know, big goals down into little tiny bits like that, it becomes so much more achievable. And if you can kind of like get over that, that ego of, oh, well, I got to do it this perfect way, then, you know, that really stifles your progress in and in and of itself. So yeah, just, I was like one page guys, just do one page a day. That's a great tip. What's something that you do, Liz, that, you know, let's say you can feel yourself having like, maybe you just are glued to the couch one day or like glued to your phone or I don't know, like you're just not, what's like your one thing that you can be like, okay, this is how I'm going to like reset. Go for a walk. That's mm. so funny. As, I think as yours as is I was the same. Saying, no, as I was saying it, I was like, actually, I know what she's We say. talked about this before, but we have each other on Apple Watch, so she probably sees that I, oh, that's your fourth walk today. Like, are <laughs> you, you okay? <laughs> yeah, but I do want to interject, like, it is totally okay and necessary to have those days where you're just yeah. like on the couch. As long as that doesn't become like, okay, I've been on the couch for like four days now. (laughs) Um, I feel like I always, if I'm like having a day where I'm just like, I cannot get out of my own way. Like I just mm. can't get anything accomplished. I could just feel it like, I don't know, it's not a good day. I either literally just leave the house. Like I feel like just leaving the house. Just fresh air in general. Right, it just restarts me. Like the second I get in my car, I'm like, oh, I should have done this like three hours ago. And like, even if it's to go to like TJ Maxx, go get a coffee, whatever it is, just to like switch it up. Or I'll do like yoga and like at least I'm like, okay, getting to the gym is a little harder. Doing something like slow, but it's still like movement. It mm-hmm. just kind of can Getting help. into your body. Yeah. It switches your mindset. So I feel like that's does, something. literally. Right. Is that, what is something like that for you that you can kind of, I don't know, switch from that like person that can't get out of their own way to your person that does like the brain dumps in the meditation 
I feel like they're two different people for me sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, I just kind of check in and see like if that's what I really need or if the behavior that I'm engaging in is actually um, like if I'm feeling paralyzed from the weight of something else and that's mm-hmm. why I'm procrastinating or that's why I'm like on my phone or on the couch and just, you know, not showing up the way that I like to show up. Um, but sometimes it's just like, oh, I had a long ass couple of days Mm -hmm. and I just need to decompress. Um, but if it is the other where I'm like, you know, feeling the pressure of something else and I'm engaging in a behavior that's like just kind of self deprecating Mm -hmm. or, you know, just not, not reaching my potential, then I will, yeah, honestly getting some fresh air is always my go-to because it's so easily accessible. Yes. And it forces you to put the screens away and just like be with yourself and your own thoughts. Like, I mean, you can be on your phone, but it is a good time to just be by yourself. Yeah. Tune into a podcast. Mm -hmm. But there's also, there's something about getting in your body. I mean, literally just the circulation of blood, you're releasing endorphins. That's, it will change your day. Like, if you can get out, get fresh air, the sun on your face, it's going to change your day. Like, if you notice a friend, you know, seeming a little bit off, a little bit different, maybe not doing so well, do you have tips for reaching out to that friend or what kind of person you can be for that person without being too much? Mm, That's a really good question. So, I have learned a lot. I lost somebody in my life to suicide in the past couple of years and that really like really opened my eyes I started volunteering for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and recently started volunteering for almost like the sister branch for youth which is called uh, the Yellow Tulip Project yeah so through those organizations I've learned so much Um, and I think and by I think I mean I know the best thing that you can do for a friend or a loved one family member a guy that you see on the street that you see is struggling is just kind of be there with them and meet them where they're at. I think that reaching out, you don't even need to communicate your worry. If the, if it's a very kind of like precarious situation where you think that they're at risk of taking their own life, you can express that like, hey, you're sending a couple of really big red flags to me and then detail what they are and express your worry. And sometimes that's all people are looking for is like to be recognized. I mean, especially with children. We're all looking for our needs to get met and we will look to meet those needs one way or another through negative attention, through positive attention, preferably. But if you're not getting your needs met with that positive attention, you're going to resort to negative means in order to get that attention. But nonetheless, that's what you're looking for. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like that's, I'm like looking at it myself and I'm like, hmm. What am I? What am I missing? Why am I acting some ways that I do? So that's yeah. that's really. But even though you're having that thought, right. that's uh, one of the things I wrote down is like that in itself is step one. Right. Well, a lot of people don't come to that like level of cognition where it's like, oh, well, why did I show up that way? <laughs> or like you know that self reflection piece, which is, I mean, just it's the cornerstone to self development. You have to be able to engage in some sort of introspection to understand like the complexity of yourself I love the word show up like like why did I show up that way like why did that that version of me like why was that the one that I decided to put forward in that situation I know that's gonna resonate with me every single day now like I'm (laughs) going to think about that and that's a good thing that's a good thing I I feel like as I'm like getting you know um I'm recently engaged and I'm going to get married like next year thank you 
I'm trying to think of like ways I can be a better partner and that includes like reflection of like what did I do in the situation you know where it's it's that so I think showing up is just kind of a I don't know that's something we talk about mental health we haven't really touched on that actual aspect so I think it's also really important to um deviate yourself from the behavior like you are not your behavior your behavior is motivated by mostly your subconscious so to be able to to look at that more objectively and then because once you tie your behavior to yourself that's where shame grows and shame is like uh, shame is the perpetuator of spirals like you want to try to guilt can be healthy if it's done the right way but shame is when you attach your behaviors and negative self-talk to your to your true self like your your you like I capital so, U. that's such a good point to not relate your behavior to who you are as a person like yeah. you are a you know you could describe yourself as like a level-headed good person with good intentions and just because what you said because I think that's something that I've heard a few times and I think it's something that people kind of as they get into like the self-help world, start to, I don't even know exactly how to put this, but I know people have said like, I think I'm actually a bad person and people are just waiting to, like I'm lying to the world about being a good person. Yes, I'm waiting to like, I'm actually, I don't, I'm not actually a good person and I'm like putting on this front that I am and people will find me out like sooner or later. I've heard this on like, it's what imposter syndrome, is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's really important to, be like no you are the good person that you think you are you're just having you know expressing certain emotions totally and I think like it's it's really clear when you start dissecting behavior because then you're just like well I mean you could probably think back to a time when you acted out of character but you don't that's not you you can recognize like oh well I did that because of this Mm -hmm. and I do this a lot especially like um you know growing up when I was in high school I was like I was mean, to be honest. Like, I had to have this, like, tough bravado presence about myself. But it was truly because I felt so insignificant and hurt and scared of being hurt more. And, you know, once once I personally can see the dissonance between, like, how I was showing up in that chapter of my life versus how I was feeling on the inside, you can recognize that you are not your behaviors. Mm-hmm. You are truly your... You're the subconscious that fuels it. I want to circle back to supporting your friends and how to not, you know, how do you put not the full weight of it? Because I know that's something you can take really personal. Like, I need to make sure this person is okay. But also, you know, how do you continue to not? Like, I feel like that could hurt yourself in the process. Totally. So when you say this, the first thing that comes to mind, I have... um a couple of addicts that are very that have played intimate roles in my life and that's really hard so I, I started going to these meetings they're called Naranon and it's for the family and friends of loved ones who suffer with addiction and I have learned so much in those meetings I mean to be honest the structure of them is very similar to like AA or NA which is Alcoholics Anonymous Narcotics Anonymous the we do step work just like an alcoholic would. And the first step is surrendering to the powerlessness that you have over the addict in your life. Because at the end of the day, no matter what you do, 
this, what I was saying earlier, you are in control of you. And that is exactly where that limit stops. I can't stop anybody from doing anything. Like I can be there as a support system. I can meet them where they're at, but that's, that's all I can do. Yeah. So just recognizing that I am relatively powerless over anybody, any situation that is not me, that is, um, not in my wheelhouse of control kind of circling back to what I said earlier where you know I can be instigated to punch you in the face but it is ultimately my choice to punch you in the face and it's the same thing dealing with um you know someone struggling with mental health or any other thing within that wheelhouse just like unhealthy behavior that you know is not for their yeah it's not for their best interest and I feel like this is something that people you know probably like parents significant others friendships it's all something that someone struggles with because you I don't know at least for people not in the extreme level of like addiction or something but someone who like can see your potential like knows what's best for you you think and Mm -hmm. how you get them to see it too Mm -hmm. that's just I feel like so difficult to to kind of I don't know yeah to like watch and like just because really what you have to do is sit sideline you have to sit sideline and you just kind of have to speak your truth to them and like let them know um in a non-pressure way like how you view them and just kind of build them up and I feel like that's truly the best thing that you can do for anybody is just like seeing them where they're at not trying to take over the wheel letting them drive their own vehicle of life and just like sit co-pilot by meeting them where they're at maybe it's as simple as let's go for a walk today like something that's like a healthy behavior that could you know maybe you know your thing to reset is walking I know my thing is like meditating or or not meditating yoga or even just like going to do something out of your regular routine is that something that's potentially helpful to those totally so I think as long as it doesn't it doesn't like breach that barrier of I'm doing this because I'm trying to help you as long as it looks like no my pure intentionality is I want to go for a walk I know it makes me feel you don't even have to say that to them but knowing that it makes you feel good just the invite could Mm -hmm. like honestly just the invite could be enough for that person like knowing that they're crossing your mind and actually this reminds me of something that I heard in one of your previous podcasts that I have also implemented in my life where you just like speak your truth like if you see somebody who posts something that might not be like a person you've ever talked to but they're on your friends list on a social media platform and you think their hair looks really good or like that's a really good picture of them like speaking that to them because I could make their entire day exactly and I think if everybody could kind of incorporate that in their life we would be walking on a much happier world let's talk about how I'm just slam that down (laughs) let's talk a little bit about how to be like how do you kind of embody the being a light in you know others lives I feel like that's a message that we really want to try and get across here in the podcast and we don't you know mean it in like the pressure of taking things away from you just in like the you know little things like I don't know reaching out to a friend or reaching out to a stranger and saying they look good is there anything else you can do to kind of I know you said you love that term you know being a light yeah um to be honest I think We all individually hold so many gifts and all of our gifts look different. And the best thing that you can do is be yourself. Because when you 
start showing up to your life authentically, it almost like gives permission for other people to show up authentically. And you, we were talking about projections earlier. When you start showing up as yourself, like your true self without a filter and just kind of embody that, you like shine little mirrors on other people that like, oh, like she, she's owning that. And like, I could do that too. I mean, even like looking I remember bits like in high school she would make the coolest videos like the stop motion videos oh my god you are filling my head nobody ever appreciated those just so you guys know I did in silence I'm sorry I wish I would have articulated it when I was younger yeah but even like seeing you start a podcast I was like hell yeah like go you guys and it's like that same energy when you see somebody showing up to their truth it just allows you to show up to your truth just a little comment on someone supporting them could give you a push to do something too like oh they're supported i can be supported and it just keeps going on and on everyone just does what they want yeah it's like that when somebody in front of you pays for your Mm -hmm. starbucks and then you know the train just keeps going do it Uh, yeah (laughs) great point so if you notice that something is pulling you down in one aspect of your life it could be work it could be a relationship something is causing your mental health to not be where you want it to be what is a first step that you can take with that or what would you recommend well uh kind of like what i said to ashley earlier is like the first step is really acknowledging like acknowledging that like whatever this common denominator is um is not serving me it's not serving my highest potential or uh, my current reality um so that's step one (laughs) uh step two would be kind of taking the leap like truly just recognizing that your your highest self is worthy of ridding this negativity from your life and allowing yourself to to prosper into whatever that looks like so if it's a relationship if it's leaving that relationship if it's a job you're leaving that job um or maybe it's something that you're not incorporating in your life and you want to incorporate it in your life or you recognize that you would be happier if you did so taking that leap and then inevitably what is going to accompany that leap, which is like usually what gets people to regress back to comfort because the leap is uncomfortable. But I encourage everyone like discomfort is so short lived and you really want to lean into that discomfort as long. I mean, as long as you're not like hurting yourself or something along that that line but like the discomfort of starting a podcast the discomfort of coming on a podcast or like the video that I recorded for the yellow tulip project the other week that was so out of my comfort zone what inevitably accompanies that leap of discomfort is almost like a morning the morning of the comfort that you used to have I mean this kind of takes me back to like my long-term very serious relationship that I was in I was so like that was my comfort I you know had built this entire life that I I didn't really know anything else and to muster up the courage to recognize that it wasn't serving me it wasn't serving my highest potential and that I needed to to leave obviously I was riddled with discomfort of you know, being by myself, having to find my sense of identity, having to do all the things that I didn't have to do before. Like, and sometimes that discomfort, and especially when it's with something small, like making that video or starting a podcast, 
Um, not that these are small. I don't want to undermine this. No, no. But like when it's not like going to change your entire your life entirely to our lives, yes, as opposed exactly. to like completely removed a chunk of our life. Like we could take, you know, we could be like eh, false alarm. But you know, you end something, it's done. Yeah, essentially. So I get it. But but you're gonna mourn that comfort. Mm-hmm. You're gonna mourn that, and sometimes that mourning is so heavy that it will make you almost have regrets for taking the leap but just like allow yourself to mourn allow yourself to like go through that process of feeling uncomfortable and just kind of lean into that discomfort and um and know that eventually you're going to create a new sense of comfort and it's going to look different and it's going to be worth it yeah it's always going to be worth it um i just wanted to say one more thing that it's kind of on the topic of mental health but it's something that kind of resonated with me that I heard a few days ago and it was saying like I feel like we put so much pressure on ourselves to be happy and to you know like especially in the self-help self you know discovery kind of mode you're you want you learn that you just want a happy life however someone said something to me recently that happy is also an emotion not necessarily a state of being yeah and to wow. feel you didn't tell me that I yeah that. yeah so it's you're supposed to feel all you know all the emotions totally. one doesn't weigh more than the other and i think recently i thought like i'm like oh i have the key to life like i don't care <laughs> what i do i just want to be happy like i don't care if i don't have any money i just want to be happy and now i'm kind of learning like okay it wasn't as you know smart as i thought i was <laughs> that that also is troubling because you're not going to always be happy your mental health won't always be pristine and you know in in your best best self won't always be put forward and stuff totally. but kind of like leaning into feeling like i don't know let's say you god forbid you die one day and you never felt what being sad's like so it's like you know if i was never sad like did i never must have you know cared about anything enough to be sad so they all kind of have a purpose mm. does that make sense I yeah just... and i almost feel like by experiencing your full spectrum of emotions you start to realize the value of happiness and joy right because like how would you know how amazing it is to be happy unless you have the comparison of like sadness or depression exactly i feel like liz and i recently had the conversation of i think you know you're generic not generically that's not the right word you're you're just you're a happy like you have yourself has a state of happy and it's not happy is not necessarily the right word temperament um like content you know as in the way like my life currently i have a roof over my head i have healthy relationships i'm financially stable and i'm not you know i have a job that i enjoy i think that's something that will be how i feel kind of forever and there are certain moments that I can have that are happy, but I think that we put so much pressure on like, you know, when I quit this job, I'm going to feel this like euphoric moment of happiness. And then when you don't. And you're like, wait a minute, I feel like pretty much the same as I did in the old job. And uh, you know, what I mean? does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I just think that that's something that, you know, while we're on the topic and kind of wrapping things up here with the mental health conversation, at the end of the day, guys, like this is all it all goes in waves and Mm -hmm. and your state of happiness is something that can go in waves and you know really at the end of the day all you can control is yourself and being a good person and being there for others and um be thankful for the the life you've been given so amen (laughs) i feel like peyton has done a great job of you know having this conversation with us 
and being very open and honest. Definitely. This was a great conversation. I'm glad that we were able to do this before you move. Oh, I'm so glad that we did too. I'm so glad that I truly just like put myself out there. See, big definitely week super, for you. I know, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, if you could give our audience maybe like give us two things that you really want to leave everyone with. I know we talked a lot here, but can I recap like something I've sure, already said? Whatever you want. Okay. Definitely. Number one is always bring a, like as you're maneuvering through life, bring a backpack full of curiosity and humility and progress over perfection. Love it. Those are my two. Those are good ones. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on yeah. Parties Over Podcast. Thanks for having me. And I hope all of our listeners loved this episode as much as we loved having this discussion. This was a really good one. Uh, let's go get a drink. Yeah.